on the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. I am Sean McCraney. This is Heart of the Matter. Kathy Maggie's in the cage recording the show so you can watch it. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you. Uh, love you. Seek you. Need you. Pray that you'll bless Mags as she gets this ready for people to watch now and in the archives. And then we just pray for uh, people who are seeking truth to absorb what is right from me and forget what is wrong. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, when my middle daughter especially was a teenager, she liked to create new words, probably from she got from her friends uh, and uh, abbreviated a lot of things. And when she found something that was disgusting to her, she said, it's bunky brew. Ooh, bunky brew. That's something she said. It's stuck in my mind. So we are calling the show tonight, The Angel of the Lord, Bunky Brew. Ooh, another tip of the hat to Brother Kel, who's taught me so much about the fails of the man-made doctrine of the Trinity. We thank God for people and their contributions to truth. Uh, we recently had someone co- uh, come and challenge me online uh, on my teaching of the right hand of God. And that person brought in the angel of the Lord argument as proof that the Trinity exists and can be proven from the Old Testament. What's that all about? In the Trinitarian mind, the uh, angel of the Lord, when he appears in the Old Testament, is the pre-existent Jesus uh, who uh, speaks to the children of Israel. And it's really a convenient interpretation uh, of this angel because it helps people to justify the Trinitarian idea that Jesus was a person in the Old Testament times with the Father being a person and the Holy Spirit being a person. And Jesus, the person, came down as the angel of the Lord, separate from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the text. Moses, the prophet, meets up with the angel of the Lord at the burning bush. And the King James says it this way in Exodus 3, 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Interestingly, Young's literal translation uh, translates the passage this way. And there appeared unto Moses him a messenger of Jehovah or a messenger of Yahweh in the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, etc., etc. Big difference between the phrase of the King James angel of the Lord and then messenger of Yahweh. See that the angel of the Lord is one messenger of Yahweh is the other way to see it. Let's talk about the word angel. First of all, it's an English word. Understand that that is not translated from an ancient word like Greek or Latin, uh, but is instead a word that has been Anglicanized. Anglic... Anglicized. Anglic... Anglicized. It's been Anglicized, okay? And it means that we have taken an ancient word and we've Anglicized it into an English word. So the Greek word angelos, you think, you hear angelos and you think angel, right? But angelos doesn't mean angel. Angelos means messenger. 
We took angelos and created an English word called angel, right? But when scripture writes angelos, it's always talking about a messenger, not something that we have named an angel, okay? The Latin angelus, like Los Angeles, means the same, messenger. So again, we took angelos or angelus and we translated it into our own special English word called angel. And so when you say angel, you think of whoo, whoo, whoo. When in reality, the Bible, when it says angelos, does not mean angel. It means messenger. That's what it means. Okay, so that's why the Young's Literal Translation is a more reliable text in this sense than the King James because uh, that's what it does. So remember, to anglicize a word is to take a foreign word and to make it sound English. All right, angelos doesn't sound English. Angel sounds more English. So to translate the word is to use the actual meaning. To anglicize a word is to make it a new word in English. To translate means to translate it over to its exact meaning. And when you read angelos in scripture, the exact meaning is messenger, messenger. So, uh, and you know, just to let you know, we do the same thing with the word Christ. As unfortunate as this will be to some people's ears, we took the term, the Greek term Christos, and we shortened it and made the English word Christ. All right. If we were to take the, the, the Greek word Christos and translate it to its literal meaning, it would be the anointed, not Christ. Christ is an English made up word. So is Jesus. So who we call Jesus Christ really is Yeshua, the anointed, because that's what Christos means in Greek, the anointed. We turn around and we wanted to anglicize the whole thing, give us an American Jesus, uh, and we call him Jesus Christ. But the reality, is, and, and because it is so ubiquitous and, and, and universal, that, that's just the name. And, you know, it really bugs some people. But bottom line, uh, that's what we do. That's what his name is. I don't think it matters that much. Some people it does. But uh, it, his name really is Yeshua the Anointed, not Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's really a, a messed up, uh, word. So, um, back to the angel of the Lord and Young rightly translating it to messenger of Yahweh. Messenger of Yahweh or Yahweh's messenger. Okay. So we automatically have a problem, don't we? Because if Jesus is Yahweh's messenger, that's very different from Jesus being uh, the second person of the eternal co-equal trinity. If it's not Jesus and it's just the messenger, which is probably right, then that makes much more sense. Now, remember to a Trinitarian, this messenger of Yahweh, who is God, is Yahweh to a Trinitarian. So they're saying that the the angel that came down, the messenger that came down is Yahweh. So it's saying uh, the messenger is Yahweh. That doesn't make sense. The, uh, Yahweh has a messenger. He has even an angel. It's not himself. If it was himself and Yahweh came down is what it would say. But we have angel of the Lord that the Trinitarians are using to justify their uh, belief that he was a person co-equal uncreated uh, from the beginning. 
So they take most of the Old Testament accounts where the messenger of God appears and they say, this is the pre-incarnate Jesus, uh, the God, the son, the second person of the Trinity is what they say. And they go back and they read the Old Testament that way. Now, let me just bring something to your attention. There's a really interesting view we get from Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, where the writer of Hebrews, it's called Hebrews because the writer is a Jew speaking to Jews. So they know what their Old Testament's all about, right? The writer says, in many and various ways, God in times past spoke to our, spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. Times past. God spoke in various ways to our fathers, the prophets. But in these last days has spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, by whom he also created the world. So we have this idea from the writer of Hebrews speaking to Hebrews that in the Old Testament, in former days, in many various ways in the old times, that God spoke to them by their, by the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Did you catch it? The Hebrew who is writing to his own plainly says that in the past, Yahweh spoke of old to our fathers in many and various ways by the prophets. There were angels who came to the prophets. There was revelation that came to the prophets. This angel came to Moses up on the mount. There were many various ways. But in these last days, the writer says, at that time, uh, God speaks to us through his son. Isn't that interesting? That the writer of Hebrews does not say that God in times past spoke to us by his son. Never says that anywhere. But he says the, he says something different. That in times past he spoke to us in various ways to the prophets. So listen, the statement would not make any sense if the son was the angel of the Lord speaking to the Jews all along, right? What would be the point in the writer of Hebrews making that statement? If the angel of the Lord theory was true, we need to rewrite Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. And it should say, in many and various ways, God in times past spoke of old to the fathers by the prophets, including through his son. And in these last days, he continues to speak to us by his son. That's what it should say. But it doesn't say that, does it? Friends, the writer of Hebrews tells us that only in the last days does God speak to us by his son. Because in the last days, his son became flesh and dwelt among us. Before that, he's the word of God. Another doozy is that this angel of the Lord is uh, of this angel of the Lord being Jesus in uh, pre-incarnate is that in Trinitarianism, uh, the angel of the Lord is Yahweh, the second person of the Trinity. So now we have this unreasonable situation here where Yahweh is Yahweh's messenger, which I sort of mentioned earlier. Does that make sense that Yahweh is Yahweh's messenger? You know, I think it would just be either Yahweh himself or it would be a messenger of Yahweh, but we don't have Yahweh being Yahweh's messenger. And that's what the Trinitarian ideal is trying to suggest. Why this game? It's super important to know that 
God, the Son, and Trinitarianism is not an angel. They will fight that. It's because the Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus, uh, that pre-incarnate Jesus was Gabriel. And so Trinitarians say, no, 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 Jesus pre-incarnate was not an angel, not an angel. And so him not being an angel is really important in that sense. But with the same mouth, they'll come back and call him the angel of the Lord. So that doesn't make any sense at all. More confusion. In conclusion of this, if you go to Acts chapter 7, remember the scene? Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian church, is standing there and he's testifying to a bunch of Jews about Christ. And he is, he's citing from the Old Testament to bring them through the narrative to help them understand who Jesus was and is, who they put to death, and who he was about to die for. Because Stephen was stoned right after he makes this witness. And in Acts 7.30, Stephen says this, And when 40 years were expired, he's citing the Old Testament, there appeared to him in the wilderness, Moses of Mount Sinai, an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. Now, Stephen was testifying of Christ here to Jews. He could have, he should have, uh, he would have, I think, said, and this angel of the Lord was Christ. He doesn't do that. He still calls that messenger an angel of the Lord that appeared to Moses, not pre-incarnate Christ. And so wouldn't this be a great time when he's testifying to the Jews and when our father Moses was on the mount, Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, second person of the Trinity appeared. He doesn't say that. He just calls him a messenger of Yahweh because that's who it was, a messenger of Yahweh. Uh, their view is not reasonable. It doesn't hold up. It's not logical. It's not consistent. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 defeats it. And now Stephen, as a, the first martyr witness, speaking of Christ, shows it was an angel and no clarification otherwise. Uh, what we have with the Trinitarian claim, though, is that the angel of the Lord was Jesus, and that requires mental gymnastics. And God is not a God who wants us to go through mental gymnastics. He wants us to know the truth. He's made it very plain and very clear. So we, uh, bottom line, the angel of the Lord was a messenger of the one God to the children of Israel through the prophet Moses, that's consistent with Hebrews, that's consistent with Scripture, that's what Stephen verifies when he's about to be uh, 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 stoned to death. Uh, the view makes Hebrews work that I'm teaching, it makes Exodus work. The only thing that won't work with this view is the Trinity. The Scripture tells us Jesus pre-incarnate what he was. He was the Word, the Logos of God. And when he became carnate, he was made flesh. That's who he was. Not that person that the Trinitarians are trying to foist upon us, along with the foisting of the Holy Spirit, which is another person separate from the Father. To know the true and living God and his Son, whom he has sent is life eternal. Keep seeking to know him, uh, aside from all the traditions and myths that are uh, out there. 